Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Forever. Dog. Welcome to another episode of Best Show Bests, the greatest hits of the best show with me, your host, Tom Sharpley. If you like what you hear, make sure you join us every Tuesday night on Twitch at 6 p.m. Pacific for a brand new episode of The Best Show featuring callers, celebrity guests, live music, and plenty of surprises. Enjoy! Hey everybody, welcome back to another installment of S and W Q and A and that is Sharpling and Worcester and I'm Tom Sharpling and this is John Worcester is on the screen. Hello. From Parts Unknown. He's on can't the tell you where I am. Can't you know, he's on a journey now. Um this and we're gonna answer questions that people sent in over at the Patreon, which uh, a lot of great questions over the last couple episodes, and I think there's more here. I'm trying not to look at them ahead of time because I want them to be fresh. Sure. Rachel asks, this is a good one. Rachel asks, favorite SCTV characters and sketches? I think you and I might have a favorite, like in our top three, and it's one I. I kind of forgot about until you brought it up maybe 15 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, do, do you know what it is? Well, I can say the one I always think of is the William B. Williams talk show. Is okay. the thing. What are, what are you thinking? Because I think of my, so many of them. It's like. Uh, my, uh-huh. Mine was. Um, um, uh, what's his name's brother? Uh, oh, Skip Bittman. No. Um. um Oh, from from different strokes. Oh, Conrad Bain. You're thinking of Conrad yes. Bain, yeah, yeah, the yeah. brother of Conrad Bain, the real life brother, yeah, yeah. whose name was. He was also an actor, but like clear, like the dad on Different Strokes was Conrad Bain. His brother was also an actor, and looks just like looks him. just like him, and you think it's a put on, and he was on with. One of our favorite characters is going to be uh, Larry Siegel. Yes, yes. Maybe my favorite SCTV character. Rick Moranis doing like Joel Silver is I guess what people always say. It's like he's like a Hollywood producer who's so obnoxious and – and and unfocused on – Yeah. He's (laughs) – He's like super wired. Yeah. He's super wired. He's doing 10 things at once. He'll just be like, no, 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 no. This this isn't right. He's like, like, well, hold on. I got a call. Ma. You don't know. Like, he's like, what's, yeah, you don't know. He's like, what's the name of that soup? What's the name of that soup? Hold on. My my, my mother will know. My mother, Ma. What's the name of that soup? The thing you put in it. What's it called? What? uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
a turnip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's... So, so he's he's in this episode. Basically, it's what's it called? Different folks. Is that the show that they're that they're doing? Yeah. And they got two kids of color to act against Conrad Bain's brother, who clearly had no problem playing of his brother on a sketch show. Sure, I'll do it. Yeah. And the kid, he kept getting, and he, like, Rick Moranis is in full, like, a-hole mode at this, where he comes on, because the kid had a catchphrase, right? Then one of the one of the little kids had a catchphrase, he's like, what? Well, no, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it right. Why not, Pop? <laughs> Why not, Pop? Oh, my Why God. Why not, Pop? And he's like, Why not, Pop? Why not, Pop? Why not, Pop? You happy with that read? <laughs> It's like five, five yeah. years old. Yeah, he's yelling at children. Yeah, All Larry... right, so that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. Uh, talk, talk about um, the William B. William well, show. Well, do, do you remember this one? This was <clears throat> the Sammy Maudlin show oh. was the SCTV late night talk show that was like the fake showbiz ass kissy I love you so much or it would be Bobby Bittman was like the top comedian who would always come on. That was Eugene Levy played Bobby Bittman. And we just was not funny. But the host of the show was Joe Flaherty as Sammy Maudlin. His co-host is John Candy as William B. Williams, who's just the guy who's always like, <laughs> he's like, I just want to say this is one of the, in the history of humankind. Sammy Mullen was one of the greatest people that's ever existed. Like, just like that kind of level of just back padding. But then the rate, like the ratings came in or the audience, the audience had been surveyed. I forget what, like there was like test marketing. Right. People were saying they didn't like William B. Williams on the show anymore. So he announces he's leaving the Sammy Maudlin show. And he's going to do his own talk show. Now the William B. Williams and I remember thinking it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was like, it's the William B. Williams show. And he comes out of the curtain. John Candy gets tangled in the curtain when he's supposed to come out for his debut episode of his talk show. Gets tangled in the curtain, trips, twists his ankle, and is immediately saying, I can't do this. <laughs> like He's immediately saying, like, I don't want to do this. And it re it really reads like like he's in pain. Like oh he yeah, re he really plays it well. Like you're just thinking, oh my god, I think his leg is broken because <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> and, and but then the guests were Martin Short was on as Irving Cohen, the songwriter, the ancient guy. Remember where oh, he, yeah. he? Oh William B. Yeah, oh William yeah, B. Yeah, he comes out. He's like. And I, I, this resonated in my head from the second I saw it until now where he's like, I can write a, he's like, you can write a song about any name. Is that true? He's like, he's like, that's uh, true. Give me a name. He goes, Roy. And then, and then Irving Cohen goes, Roy, what the hell kind of name is Roy? You want me? Like, he just like gave the wrong name. <laughs> right. And right. he just. <laughs> But then Sammy, like his monologue bombed. He was doing a thing. He made right. some joke about McLean Stevenson. Bomb, like, yeah, it's like dropping the bombs over on like uh, the Middle East. 
Boo. And then some guy yells out, what about Lebanon? You think that's funny too? And then he's like, I just, and then Sammy Mullen comes out at the last second, like the way guests would walk out on talk shows and like surprise the audience. He goes, oh my God, we got Irvin Cohen's here. He's had more hits than McLean Stevenson's had bombs. And then, and then he just goes, now that's how you tell a McLean Stevenson joke. It just like, I, I don't think anything has impacted me as much as SCTV ultimately. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The um, Bobby Bittman uh, interviewed by um, Dick Cavett. Mm-hmm. It is great. He had he he he's written and and who would be, who would be playing Dick Cavett? It's uh that would also be Rick Moranis, I think. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, Dick Cavett so condescending thinks mm-hmm. Bobby's just the biggest tool, and mm-hmm. eventually, over the course of the five minutes that they're talking, Bobby realizes that he's being talked down to, and it's really killing him. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it's almost like the first time he's been treated like this yeah it's it's really interesting it's so it's so well played so great it was for me that was my like that and i guess letterman also would be like the the first times i realized as a kid that um like show business stuff is so fake right and seeing people make fun of how fake the behind the scenes is and all that stuff. It just was so kind of like liberating because you, as a, as a little kid, you see these things and you just like think it's reality. And then suddenly there were these people poking holes in it. And that like, that like informed everything for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I, you know, my favorite shows are veep and 30 rock and that, that sort of thing where it's, it's, you know, kind of exposing the horrors yeah like in in these in these industries like the underside of things with humor yeah yeah like the soft white underbelly that's right when they wanted to play some secret shows that's what that's what you play under and we are of course are talking about (laughs) blue oyster cult playing lamore wait what i've got a signed copy oh my god of, of uh secrets revealed um martin popoff's yeah. Labor of Love Blue Oyster Cult book signed by Albert and Joe Bouchard. Wow. That's just feet just feet away. Just sitting there. Oh my God. Now that um Blue Oyster Cult were were huge, but then when they would want to do club gigs, they would play would play Lemours in Brooklyn, right? Lemours? Yeah, Lemoore or Lemoore. the uh, the Brooklyn Zoo. Yeah. And they would play under they would be billed as soft white underbelly, which was like the, the giveaway that it's blue, actually blue oyster cult. Yes. Then there must have been a sad day when they're just like, I think we're playing Lamore as blue oyster cult. Guys, the name, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, it's uh, we gotta we gotta do everything yeah. we can to get yeah a thousand people here. Yeah, so. we gotta. <laughs> there think, are no secrets yeah. anymore. I think. This whole secret show concept, we might have to just hit pause on that for a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, let's do this. Let's just do this one under a BOC. Just one. Just yeah. one. What is your favorite 
Blue Oyster cult album. We, I mean, we've talked about. I think we talked about it on yeah, the show did. already. But but I I don't love any of their albums like in their entirety. Yeah, yeah, that seems to but, be. But I love that kind of middle period. That's that's kind of kind of atmospheric and and super dreamy like you know like i love agents of fortune uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of specters i like mm-hmm. um but every album ha- has a couple good ones yeah that's that's fair. you know and but um their last album has one of the greatest power pop songs of the last 15 years on which it, album think. is that uh it's called the symbol remains okay and the song is called uh box in my head i'm I, i'm gonna listen to it today yeah. the um yeah, East Coast rock, still doing right. it. Not uh, for everybody. No, but with SCTV also, I think a big part of Newbridge came from Mellonville. Like it. Oh yeah. Like it just gave like they had their fake world and their fake town that they were serving through this television station. And I think that just gives permission for us to build out more of a world. Oh yeah, you can do anything. Yeah. Um, there are. There are more bridges coming every every episode. North Bridge, uh, mm-hmm. a hor- horror bridge. Yes, the <laughs> I think my favorite might be Prison Bridge. Prison Bridge, yeah. That just that's very rough in Prison Bridge. <laughs> not as bad as Jail Bridge. No, Jail Bridge is not as bad as Prison Bridge. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, Sharon asks, "Do you guys have a map of the Newbridge Greater Area to keep track of all the zones?" And if Funny. so, will we ever be able to see it? Oh, you 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 certainly could have. In the box set. Yes. There was a big Newbridge map in the box set, the Numero Group box set, that um is pretty spectacular. Yeah. But it's it's gotta be online somewhere, I would think. I, I would I would hope so. Um PDF form. Yeah, you can get a little thumbnail of that. Maybe yeah. not the same majesty as the poster had but uh let's see tony wants to know and this one's more for you does your extensive knowledge of kiss ever haunt you <laughs> and to to have to carry around to have to carry that around must be trying oh yeah it's terrible it, it, i'm i'm the kiss guy but i uh, i feel like i've been pretty adamant that i don't really like their music mm-hmm. um but I need to know everything about them. I think they're just incredibly fascinating. So people confuse that with me genuinely liking them. So I, I get dolls sent to me. Mm-hmm. I get all, I get all kinds of stuff sent to me, and I I usually give <laughs> give them away to children. Yeah. But um <laughs> um I I do appreciate it. But yeah, it does kind of kind of suck that that, that people think I genuinely like them. Sure. Um, when when I genuinely like just knowing about them. It is they are endlessly fascinating as as people and as a band. The least fascinating. It's like the way I feel about I think like wrestling. I love watching wrestlers argue and do the I'm telling you right now I'm going to do like all that stuff, but then right. watching a wrestling match I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then Bouncing off the ropes and doing all—I just love—I love the spectacle and the pageantry of wrestling and the characters, but just not the actual wrestling. I think that's like Kiss for you. You, 
you're hooked on every part of it except when they pick up their instruments and play some songs. Yes, I will. I, I will read for the fifth time the book their accountant wrote about them. Kiss and but, sell. Uh, but yeah, before I, I will listen to a record. Yeah. But what that said, uh-huh. as a as a kid, yeah, did you did you 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 did like them as a kid to some degree? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a lot of kids my my age, uh, uh, this fell on my birthday, um, Halloween of I think nineteen seventy six, on the the Paul Lind Halloween special. That's where Kiss uh, mm-hmm. played a couple songs and. You know, I was I set uh, seventy six. I would have been ten. I was turning okay. ten, so it's like the the perfect age for mm-hmm. the combination of rock and roll and comic books or sure. whatever cartoons. And uh, you know, just loved it. And uh, and I, but I think I was into them. It's funny. It probably wasn't that that long a period. You know, so from like seventy six until um probably seventy nine. Like I I was starting to feel like oh maybe this isn't cool. <laughs> That's you know, amazing. Like, I think Aerosmith is cool now, but I don't think this is cool anymore. That is so interesting that even <laughs> yeah. as a a child, yeah, figuring out what's cool and not cool, Kiss was like one of the first things to get to be put under the magnifying glass to be like, right. where does this fit? And was it the way the music changed, or was it that they were just in clown makeup? I think it was um, well in '79 th- that album Dynasty came out, and mm-hmm. I was pretty off by that point. And okay. you know, I I didn't think that was a great record. And by like '79, I was probably getting into like the Boomtown Rats and sure. the Police and and the Ramones and stuff and the Clash. So that's that was pretty, you know, uh, pretty much in the rearview window at that at that point. But um, when, when I, I worked at a chain record store in the uh, in the mid to late 80s in Greensboro, and forgive me, but I could spot a Kiss fan, like a current Kiss fan, the moment they walked in in the mm-hmm. the door, just because oh like God. there was something about them that just was a little off and and just just kind of wasn't cool. I know that yeah. sounds horrible. I know what say. you mean when you're. <laughs> it's like. It's everyone's worst nightmare that you're you're going to be that to somebody. And we all are that to somebody. I know there's been countless times where I've walked into a thing and somebody's like, oh, no, what does this guy think he's doing every day for me? Like, I'm Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, what is that guy wearing? What what is he? What is he doing? His shoes are are like ridiculous. I get it every day, but I I don't mind. A guy like going up as an adult to like any kind of like will call or whatever to be just like, I think I'm on the list for the yeah. show tonight. And then they like look at me and I'm just like, mm-hmm. the the band's list makes <laughs> it make me feel like I'm like they think this guy's probably. 50 50, this guy's trying to talk his way into the show or right, something. Right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, bands like Sharpling, SCH, SCH, and then they, yep, here we go. Thank you. I don't. Oh, know. you are here. Yeah, you are. Oh, yes, it's you. <laughs> oh, okay. wow. Yeah. <laughs> None of us thought you were you were on the up and up. Yeah. 
<laughs> it is so funny that energy that somebody gives off where you're just like, oh, sweetie, you're yeah. not. Yeah. You got the uh, animalize? Uh, you got animalize on cassette? You're like, I knew it. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What would you say the best kiss uh what is a legitimately great kiss song in your opinion? Well, I will go to bat saying that Alive and the album that came after it Destroyer are are two really great albums. Like mm-hmm. they're like I think they're great. Um and it almost makes me feel like w- what went wrong that the <laughs> that they sure. put two really good ones out in, in a row. Um but uh I, I love the song Black Diamond. I think that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? There's a total kind of 80s uh, power pop song called, on, um, what's the album called? Crazy Nights. Mm-hmm. And the song is called Turn On The Night. A- a- and it's it's uh, a co-write of Paul's with, uh, God, I think it's uh, D- Diane Warren, who wow, was like- okay super top 40 mm-hmm. songwriter uh um so i i like that i like uh deuce um there's gotta be more right um what's the one that kim fally kind of co-wrote uh i'm the king of the nighttime world yeah that's the one that was supposed to be a big hit right uh yeah was that that was one that people they they went into they went into it thinking that that was one up their sleeve right am I correct I think in that? so yeah yes. that they were just like <clears throat> like yeah this one we're good with this one um what about a Gene song what's a Gene song you like well Deuce is is one of Gene's sure. um uh yeah, I like right. a lot of his titles uh, mm-hmm. uh Cadillac Dreams is one that's mm-hmm. a great one mm-hmm. uh, uh uh Ladies in Waiting. I could make a, a a worst of Kiss comp uh-huh. that would knock anyone's socks off, and yeah. it would be a lot of Jeans songs. Yeah, ladies in waiting. I mean, look, you turned me onto a lot of this deep catalog Kiss stuff. I'm sorry. No, it's been a gift. It's the um, ladies in waiting. There's a point when it gets so stupid. That it gets smart again somehow with it. Yeah. Like, it's actually, like, profound in its stupidity. Because it's, like, four yes. notes. The lyrics are as as basic as a human could put, like, thoughts together. Yeah. So you go, so you went to the market, and the the meat looks good tonight. And the ladies in waiting will show you what it's all about. Is that... Yes, 
it's 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 a perfect example of a song that sounds like it was being written while it was being recorded. <laughs> like these are just dummy words that'll. Or, and it's so ham-fistedly yeah. basic too yeah. that it just feels like they're just kind of like they they've been assigned to write like. I don't know if this is a real, a, a turd rock song yeah. and, and, <laughs> and, and they're just kind of making it up and he's just saying what's on his mind, but that's the record. That's the final product too. Like yeah. no, no more thought went into it yeah. beyond yeah. what they did during, during those three minutes. Yeah. Great expectations is also a great one. Wonderful song. Which the that, that might be the most arrogant song ever written. Really? It is. Cause it's basically saying I'm on stage I see you in the audience. You're clutching yourself in ecstasy, looking at me, and <laughs> and wondering what it would be like to be with me. You've got great expectations. Yeah, and I like what he prefaces the chorus with, "Well, listen, comma." Yeah, listen, <laughs> you, listen. and it's got a children's got choir on it, also, too. Yes. Yeah, these poor kids, they were like from the 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 Harlem whatever mm-hmm. choir. So it's all these kids from, you know, from Harlem in this studio having to sing along with this this monstrosity. Yeah, like this, this, this dirty this garbage. Yeah, dirty song. <laughs> they, they they're just looking, they're talented and they're just they got the request came in and there was yeah. probably a little bit of money paid. And they're just like, yeah, well, we get to be on a record? Cool. And then, like, and it's just dirty garbage. (laughs) And you stand and clutch your breast. Your breast. The music drives. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Along with, our our music drives you wild along with the rest. Just after, just first thought all the way down the line. (laughs) And this is from... The album that they probably spent the most time on yeah. of oh, any yeah. of the albums. Yeah. Um, Steven asks, what was it like the first time you appeared on stage together? I remember arriving late at Matador 21 in Las Vegas and getting there just in time to see you playing the greatest, to playing the Canadian band Alphabet game. I don't remember that. I have no memory of this. And bummed I missed Guitar Wolf, forgot that they were there. But Oh, right. But the rest of the night was a fantastic experience, and your segments were a big part of that. Did that inspire you to do more live appearances? Well, when this when Steven mentions Matador 21, that was a Matador Records had a 21st anniversary uh, weekend in Las Vegas. Around 2011, something like that. I think so. Yeah, sounds like right. 2010. I think it might have been 2010. Um, and they had three nights of shows, and John and I were asked to MC the third night. I think, right? The third. I think it was. I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm pretty sure I can narrow it down. It was. Jeff Jensen did the first night. Mm-hmm. Bob Nastanovich did the second night. And then mm-hmm. we did the third night. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was us introing the bands and, and 
doing little bits here and there as we did that. And um yeah, that was that was probably that was the first full thing we did, right? Yeah, and it it went so well that that really gave us the confidence to think about doing it in the future. I was kind of shocked how well it went just because, you know, comedy and rock concerts doesn't really mix. I mean, I can probably count on the on one hand the times I've seen it work. You know, with yeah. a comedian who who just isn't met with like "fuck you," where's yeah. the band? You know yeah. that that sort of thing. So I thought it, it went it went great. I, and I think we did a little interview with with Ted. Is that right? With Ted Leo, I think we did the Ted and, Leo interview during yeah, the show yeah, where really we good. just kind of like where we were just very aggressive and right, very, right. That's right. Like very like we we did that a couple times over <laughs> over time, yeah. which was. To do these interviews with people where we were just so awful to them, like rapid fire awful also. Like from yeah. both I would be on one side of them, you'd be on the other side. They're sitting in a chair and we're just right. asking them terrible questions. Yeah. And they're not sure who's gonna hit them <laughs> harder. That was fun. Right. Um because it was and what was I a, a priest also? I have a memory of, Pablo of like Fantana. You might have been I might have like done a like a blessing for the show or something, something stupid like that. I think that. you did Rever you did Bishop Pablo Fontana. <laughs> where you him, blessed yeah. the show. I know Roy was a part of it. It was me and you doing that thing like like getting deep with so and so. I think we were calling it or whatever. Yeah. Where we'd interview somebody. Um and it was a great audience. Like it was a perfect audience because a lot of them knew what we, who we were yeah. and what we did. And it wasn't like just a hostile. No, it wasn't know, like, why is there response. any comedy at this? And right. um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Cause it was just such a favorable crowd. It was yes. the best way to kind of get our feet wet with that. Just, just like Sasquatch. Just like, oh, well, do you want to, do we want to, well, let's tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. So we did the show, which then like a few years later, we're just like, hey, let's do some live shows. Sharpling and Worcester live. Boom. We'll, we'll, we did, we started in New York. We did the Bell House, four shows, amazing run there. Then we did Chicago. We then we did then I think we went and did like we did we did we did shows all over the country over the course of a year or so yeah. we hit a lot of the 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 West Coast and but then we got asked to do this festival which was the first time we had been asked to do a festival called Sasquatch which was in Washington State uh, probably about. An hour and change outside of Seattle? Is that fair? Like, Yeah, the gorge. The gorge, okay. Yeah. And we, we were told, oh, no, this is a favorable one for what you guys are doing. They're going to have a comedy tent. It's not, you're not going to be in a bad situation. This crowd gets it. Because that was our big concern was, our thing is not meant for just anyone. You kind of, it <laughs> by far works best when... The audience has some awareness of who we are. Right. It's not just stand-up where it's like, hey, here's a stand-up doing comedy. And then just 
It's like we're doing characters. It's very vulnerable to yeah, yeah. be doing straight straight man. Hey, so tell me the th- and then <laughs> and you're wearing a costume and you're just like right. we're both very vulnerable when you're doing that stuff. I remember we pull in Sasquatch. There was a show on already that had like a half decent crowd at the comedy tent. Todd Barry was involved. Todd right? Barry and, was involved. Might have been and, Dave uh, Hill's show. If you said her name, she's a really uh, she's a good actress and and funny. Um, she was on. Um, her last name begins with a P, I think. Um, what's her name? I, I I feel like it was her show, or or she was a guest on it too. I think she was uh, a guest on it. It was. Um, what was it? Oh, what is uh. Man, I'm drawing a blank on that. I what, can't yeah, but but Todd was a part of it. And I remember coming in seeing they were getting like an okay reaction from the crowd and just being like, Yeah, oh, these poor guys. Bummer for them tonight, huh? <laughs> like and it's also like two in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, so hey, you gave it your best shot, guys. What can you do? Like feeling like when we get up there, look out. <laughs> and it actually was true. It was lookout, but maybe the way that we didn't think it was lookout. I remember meeting somebody backstage, a musician. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna name them. They, I knew their music, indie rock musician. Oh, I'm so excited to meet you! Oh my God, I'm looking so forward to seeing you do the, to do this. this. This is so great, awesome. See them in the. So now it's the. This enormous tent, enormous feet, like a field in front of us. We we go up, and we're doing like was it like fifty minutes five zero like oh my god was right? it that long I think oh it was god. it was like under it was <laughs> under an hour it was me you and Michael Slaybach was our tour manager organizer no uh, it, it was Matthew Barnhart oh it was Matthew Barnhart one, Ma- Michael yeah. was not yeah. there this time you're right yeah, yeah. Matthew was there. So we drive there, we get out, we set our props up, here's the music, here's the cues on the CD for the different moments. We hit the stage, not realizing at least half the audience left to go see Savages, which was this really hot band at the moment. Yeah. This was like, they they were having their moment, they're playing... At a stage way too close to our stage. So now there's just dun, 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 bleeding from the distance coming through. Certainly not doing us any favors. We go up and just within how many seconds do you, do you think? When did you realize this was not going our way? Probably after like the first, whatever the first thing we, yeah. we said or, or like the first line was just like, oh, yeah, that's this is going to be a long 50 minutes. It's going to be a rough one. And then yeah. suddenly it's like, 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 because there were lines that we knew we had in our pocket for the sketches <laughs> we wrote that we knew just like, well, that's that's money in the bank. That one. Right. And then yeah. like the first one of those is just. You hear the, Nothing. and you just hear, like, we do the first line, and you expect, instead of hearing laughter, we hear, 
Boom, 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 boom. We hear savages off at the main stage or wherever. Um, people would come into the tent to cool off, walk halfway up to see us, and then decide they'd rather be hot. Right. Uh, I remember seeing, outside and see, hot. Seeing one familiar face yeah. while this was happening. Oh my and I just God. remember saying, I it must have been like something we just kind of riffed. And I looked out and I just said, Ira knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Ira Kaplan, <laughs> Yola Tango were playing the they were on the bill. So Ira comes over to watch. He's this is not the person I'm talking about. No. Ira is laughing so hard. <laughs> At watching us just royally eat it. Yeah, like, yeah. it is, like, bad, bad. The person who I was excited to, who said, oh, I can't wait to see the show. From the stage, I remember watching them walk out of the tent. Like, <laughs> seeing them mid-show decide, like, yeah, this is not, uh, yeah, I don't this one's not happening. Sense. <laughs> and there was a moment in it where it was one of the greatest things in a in a in a life of you doing great things that I think are great. This is one of the best. You refused to like take it from this audience who was like starting to grumble and starting to <laughs> heckle a little bit. You were just like, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> Dude, like you you went at them. Oh yeah, there's a guy. who's like, oh no, the guy, the guy in the tool shirt doesn't like this. Yeah, something like. And it was like singling out one guy. I remember thinking it was. I was like, oh, that was the, that was like the bolt of confidence that I just needed at that moment so that I could, I could stay up here and not right. cry or what right. like. Yeah. And. It was just one. And didn't we end doing like under pressure? Like we, we did under pressure. Yeah. And, and and then I remember we took we took tremendous pride in getting off the grounds of, of, oh. of the festival in like it was nine minutes. It was insane. Like we were, Matthew, Matthew was with us like, yeah, we're going to get out of here in 10 minutes yeah. after we're done. It and was we just did. like it was really we were in the just, car. I texted our booking agent. We are never doing that again. Yeah, that was. <laughs> look, God bless them for for trying. Yeah. That one didn't add up. <clears throat> it but was, you need to do. Yeah. You need to go through something like that <laughs> to just sort of both to appreciate how it's ninety percent great most of the time, and also just to sort of get that uh, whatever that that callous. Oh, happening, you know, <laughs> it was like a because look, I, I'm not going to say, oh, it's so much better when you when you eat it every once in a while. It's like, no, it'd be perfect if we never ate it ever. But it was definitely there was value came from it that. Oh, yeah, because then it was just like, wow, OK, it can go that way. Whoa. Yeah. OK, so. It informed our decisions. You'll you. If people are looking at the summer festivals coming up and saying like, oh, I wonder which ones uh, John and Tom might be on this upcoming summer for the festival season. None of them. Like, and then this goes for every year going forward, I would probably say. 
Not even a rock and roll comedy fest, I don't think. Yeah, if there was yeah. one, I don't know if I would do Sharpling and Worcester Fest. I might still think anything with right. fest in it is just going to be that much trickier. I would do something if we could involve Eddie Trunk in it. Oh, that'd be amazing. Like I would a do a metal fest and he was part of our thing. If we could interview Eddie Trunk on oh, stage. Oh, so great. Well, here's one. How much would you pay? I would do it for free. I don't know if I would actually pay. I would be like, eh, okay. I'll, if this is just for the experience, I'll, t I'll take it on the chin and do it for free. Oh, yeah. To talk. Just like, I don't want to lose money on it. No. And we would have to just drop as many references to like, Big Star and yeah. like the Minutemen. <laughs> These bands, he has no, it's the most fascinating thing where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I told you, Eddie Trunk, he's this metal guy. He does this metal radio show. He's been doing it for years. He had a VH1 classic show that we were both obsessed with called That Metal Show and with Jim Florentine and Don Jameson, his two co-hosts. And it was one of those shows that was so amazing, clearly they could never get the clearance to ever play any song ever, including the house musician. They would have a metal, they'd be like, hey, we got Vivian Campbell's here from Dio, and he's here today. He's he's providing the music, and he would just go, just playing, but he couldn't play like, he couldn't do like a Dio riff. Because that would be publishing. It would that would, you'd yeah. have to pay publishing. They Nothing would just recognizable. They would kind of just like jacket on their guitar, kind of just solos. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so we've been obsessed I, with this guy. Yeah. Him. He did an episode recently. I called you and just had to tell you that he didn't know. Like some guest was talking about Glenn Matlock, and <laughs> and and he was kind of just like, uh huh. He just clearly had no idea who that was. <laughs> but what are, I know you know the answer to this, what are name? I know, I know the question before you're even yeah, going to ask. Exactly. It. All right. Well, ask, All right. say the question then. All right. I think the question is: What non-metal? Yep. What two non-metal bands does he like? Yeah. You know, you know it. Yeah. And they're pretty obvious. One's incredibly obvious. Yeah. The Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. And the other, I give, I give him some points for it, but. I know he does his not his appreciation of this band includes none of what I would call their their good their good work. Yeah, like their glory oh. days. Soul Asylum. Soul Asylum. Yeah. Th there's one more. Oh. A band wow. from the seventies. Um, a band from the oh, I don't I don't know this. A name. band from the seventies. I would say this. A band from the seventies who influenced KISS power, power pop. Oh, oh yes, Raspberries. The Raspberries, yes, that's the yes. other one that he he has three Foo so Fighters. Far. Yeah, it's like the set. He has the one from the seventies, the Raspberries, 
Yeah. His 80s into, well, his Soul Asylum one is definitely more 90s than 80s, his love of yeah. Soul Asylum. Like hearing him talk about Soul Asylum and he'll just be like, yeah, they got this like whip, uh, this, uh, this, uh, Cottage cheese and all the thing. It's like the Herb Alpert. Like he's getting, not even getting it right. Like, oh right, like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know they got these albums. Hang time. I don't know about that one. Like he's not even on board for that. That's when it's kind of like I'm. I'm starting to say like, hey, best of luck to you guys in your right. future endeavors. And he's just going like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, what's what's going on in there? <laughs> like, um. So, but I would interview him. That would be amazing. Yeah, to sit down with Eddie Trunk. Um, someone did buy buy the uh both of us a a cameo from from Eddie Trunk. Really? I don't. I never did saw. Did you this. see this? No. Oh my god! Yes. Um. God, who? I, I have no idea who I've actually seen sent it, but um, it was it was someone I can't remember who sent it, but basically he was. Given us a super quick, uh, hey John and Tom, I I uh, oh understand God. you guys are fans, and John, you're in a, you're a drummer, and that's cool. And oh uh, Tom, I hear I hear you're a DJ. Now I, I can't believe you haven't seen this. I have not seen this. God, well, if oh anyone's listening, resend it because I have no memory of who of who sent this. Please, to. please, I'm begging you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was it was. You could tell like he had been given a two sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, primer and that was it yeah just reading the quickie right things it just somebody did, once, I, ever send, was, did I ever send you my frank stallone cameo no. that that rachel lickman no. bought me oh no. my god we have this have this ongoing joke uh you know the song uh by, by the greatest named uh, band of all time climax um mm -hmm. precious and few yeah. that song yeah yeah the lyric is precious and few are the moments we two can share. And Rachel and I, our long running joke is precious and few are the moments we two can, Sam. Oh, and, and, and so she paid for him to say hello and to sing that for me. A oh my and God. He, he put so little effort into this. Oh. He's in bed mm -hmm. and he's shirtless. Like he didn't put a shirt on. Unbelievable. And so he just starts talking and it was pretty long talk. It was pretty fun. And then I can't remember if he sang the song or not. He might've sang just, just the, the original chorus to it, but he, I could tell he was not super into it because I was a guy and he was singing. It to uh, a guy. So, uh, so uh -huh. that, that was that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and just as a footnote, when we got back to Seattle from that Sasquatch, I think, we both decided we're not going to hang out tonight. We're just going to go like lick our wounds separately. We were both like, so like, like it was like, it we became... had a good, we had a good dinner. Remember that we oh, had like a good upscale we, Mexican dinner. Yes. We had a good dinner, but then it was just kind of like, I'm just going to go hide right now. Yeah. This you... sucks. We're going back to the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> but it was also <laughs> just like, I'm just going to go to my room at yeah. seven and just sit in it. Until yeah. I have to get on the plane tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was, uh, that is so far. I got a cameo. I, I, a friend got me a cameo. This is the worst thing you could ever do. A friend got me a cameo of a comedian that I, 
that we both know, not saying that I was the Tom in it. <gasps> and it's the most uncomfortable thing oh, you could no. ever experience when somebody's just like, hey, Tom, I just want to say it's just, And it's like, you you know me. We we talk on the phone and you're doing this thing now, not realizing. Generic. Yeah. Hey, Tom, it's real cool. I heard you're uh, in it. Like, oh, no. I, I didn't yeah. even make it all the way through. Oh, no. <laughs> and then there was a really good one that um, Jason Walner got me of um, Chris Noth <laughs> from uh-huh. like well after his. Uh, uh, cancellation. Yeah, and he talked for a very long time on it about. <clears throat> it actually made me. I swear, I teared up watching because this guy is saying how his life is basically. <gasps> oh, he's like, it's like yeah, you know, your friend uh, Jason wanted to say happy birthday, and uh, you know, friends are important, and. Uh, you know, friends oh, have gotten no. me through a lot of the stuff. As you know, I'm going through stuff now. And if I didn't have friends, I don't know. I was just like, oh, my God, this this guy hmm. is opening a vein on these cameos. Like, he's right. he's letting it all hang out there. It was, yeah. Yeah. Pretty. It was pretty intense. Gareth wants to know which double acts throughout the history of comedy do we both love? And have we ever seen anything out there that seems to owe a debt to what we've done? I I gotta say, and maybe I'm wrong, I really don't know any of anyone else kind of tackling what what we do. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't think of anyone else that does this. And I, I'm not saying that's not like a, a horn toot, but I really don't know of anyone else who's doing this. In the way yeah, we do it. Me neither. It's, I mean, I'll hear little, I'll hear little like faint traces of a style of joke or something that I'm just like, ah, I think we were really doing that. Like that's that, like I could, like I could feel like, ah, that maybe, maybe that traces back to us, but nobody's like hardcore doing the thing. Mm-hmm. No. Cause, and our thing I think the thing, one of the things that make our our dynamic work is that we never planned for it to be a thing. No, it oh, it just we we met it for wherever it grew to, mm-hmm. and have continued to do that. It's not like we're just like <clears throat> doing like calculated uh, strategizing and things like that. We kind of just be like, hey, what if we try this? What if we try that? Or Let's do this. But we've never like really done it from like business first. Never. It's always no. been kind of like this is making us laugh. Let's do this. Well, what if we also did this other? Let's put it on a CD, for example, because we'd love for people to hear the thing that's making us laugh more. Yeah. And yeah. There was never there was never any sort of business model or 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 career plan at all and i I think that that's why it's so much fun and that's why it's i feel like that's why it connects with people because we're trying but i don't think it feels like we're we're trying you know super hard to make people think of us in a certain way we're not (laughs) not trying to make people think of us and we're also not saying like 
what's the version of this that we can get the most right. money out of, for example? Like, that's right. never driven any decision-making for us doing this. It's never been just, no. like, biggest offer wins. No, and I think that has a lot to do with us both being heirs to to huge fortunes. Of course. Well, look, if we didn't have this generational wealth <laughs> that we could always count on, we would not be this – we would not no. be this confident in our in our uh, just take, approaching this artistically, right? <laughs> I kind of think though, sometimes not having that money makes you less scared than having the money. Like, like I know people who come from money, and they make more decisions based on getting more money than I come across for people who don't have money are kind of just like, yeah, I'm just going to do my stuff. Like money's just not money was never like a part of the, the core decision-making for, for me never. in things. No. And not, and for you, not for you. It's just, and I think that's because we didn't have it. It's not like, no, well, we don't come from money at yeah. all. So we never had, we never, that was never in in the picture for us at all. Like I think we both just, you know, our parents didn't make much money, so no. we just didn't didn't expect to make money yeah, exactly. either. I didn't. Oh, I just wanted to do is like, I just want to be able to like go see movies when I want to yeah. see them and buy like books that I yeah. want, and not like that. To me, has always been the line where it's just like, yeah, if somebody puts a. $50 book out. Yeah, I pull the trigger on that I'd, without thinking twice. But like mm-hmm. that's kind of the upper limit of that in a way. Yeah. Like it's not it never goes so incredibly far past that where you'll buy like a you bought like a crazy kiss book years ago and it was just like yeah. Right. Then you but you did that but that's kind of the ceiling now. And it was signed by all four too. I mean, how can I pass that up? No. You can't, and I mean, you probably are going to be spending about ten grand to see them at Madison Square Garden this December. But beyond that, you'll playing their songs as slow as possible. Oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> Just like that moment of sag where it sags. <clears throat> Did they stop? Yeah, no, no, no. They're still doing Detroit Rock City. Oh. We just want to tell you that we would not exist without you. Like, the, like this right. talk. Like, so it's like, then why are you charging us so much for everything? <laughs> like, you're so important to us. There would be no kiss without you. Why do we pay for everything then? <laughs> like, why? You don't ever pay us. Right? <laughs> like, if this is such a mutual exchange. No, we give you the same set again and again. When's the last time you think they've made like substantial set change adjustments? They haven't really in the last probably five five years. Um, mm. When they do, uh, when they play in the UK, it's my understanding they they do that song "Crazy Nights" because it, it was a genuine hit there. Okay. And that there's a song called Shandy, which is 
uh, on Unmasked mm-hmm. didn't do anything here, but giant song in Australia, and they'll do it there. Okay. But so. I, th- I think those are are the two big big ones. Oh, getting back to the, the question, who was the duo that that? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That had they had records out, and it, it came out on CD. Uh, Coil and Sharp. Coil and Sharp. That's yeah. it. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Would not have pulled that out. Yeah. Jim and, Coil oh, and Mal Sharp. They were San Francisco based. Yeah. On the street, and they wore they were like adults. They're like middle-aged looking guys in the early 60s wearing suit and tie on the street with a microphone or looking as official as you can look. And they would ask people on the street the strangest things, but they looked like authority figures. And people would would respond accordingly. They would answer, well, this guy is asking me a question. He clearly can't be some sort of uh, trickster he's in a suit so they would answer the questions and they were the silliest weirdest most surreal questions that you could ask somebody and they would get people to try to seriously answer these questions that was that was big in terms of early on we had more of a potential let's fool the audience part of things a little like keeping the audience confused of whether this was real or not or whatever right. it was, or maybe yeah. getting callers to call up and argue with stuff. Yeah. But whenever we did that, it would always inevitably be the, this is fake. Second call. Right. This is fake. This is fake. He's like, and then there was just one day where we were both like, let's just not do that anymore. Let's just be funny for ourselves yeah. and not have to like loop in the, callers who are trying to pop the balloon all the time right Fake. yeah that sucked so yeah but that was i like and also for me um uh bob and ray was big mm-hmm. for me chris elliott's father bob elliott um who else who were like actual duos did um did Avery Fisher have a partner? I feel like I had an album. Uh, Wasn't that his name? Avery? Avery Shriver. Avery Shriver. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, didn't he have a partner? Didn't, did they make a record? I feel like I that he did. had a I record. Think, yeah. I don't remember who his partner was, though. Um, yeah. But I guess what we're saying through talking about this is like, not, not really. No. There wasn't really a duo where we were like, that's. That's what we want. Oh, you know who was important to me actually would have been Sloven and Allen in New York. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I ever saw them. I don't think I ever saw Eric them. Sloven and Leo Allen did like a very, they did like a two person thing, but their thing was, their thing was like subverting a very traditional version of, of a two person thing on stage. They were almost doing that mm. like equivalent of like, you know, there's a lot of this, like that kind of thing, but they would get so weird. Mm. Their show was they were they were very funny together. They were a part of that whole uh New York City downtown mm-hmm. uh kind of Luna lounge eating it scene. Um right. But again, not not a one to one thing at, at all. Our our thing kind of just took shape. We kind of watched it take shape in a strange way. 
Oh, yeah. Like, we were spectators to it. It's almost like, should we do another one of these? Like, that right. was, was kind of <laughs> how it was. Yeah, let's do another one. What should we do? And then jump forward, and we're still saying the same thing, kind of. Um, yeah. Let me see. One final question, and then we'll... Um, well, here you go. Darren wants to know, this is one that I know you're going to think is right up my alley. How would you rank the big four in terms of lead vocals? My vote would be number one, Mustaine, number two, Hetfield, number three, Belladonna, and number four, whoever that was singing for Slayer. I... I think Dave Mustaine, I'm looking to see if he's here, has a terrible voice. Oh. I don't like his voice at all. So I'm I'm shocked that someone would put him first. Me too. Um, uh, it's always I, like he growls I, a lot rather than sing. Yeah. And he goes kind of high. I think Hetfield, and, and I'm not a Metallica fan, but I have genuine respect for, for James Hetfield. I think he's one of the greatest rhythm guitar players of all time. Like maybe the best, just like impenetrable just mm -hmm. incredible and i think his i think his singing is good too i think he's got some stuff you know i think he can do a bunch of different things and i think that speaks to why they were the only of those bands that actually had like break breakthrough across the board hit records i i think i mean yeah. I, I don't i don't think anthrax had like a like a a, a hit song did they or or uh I mean, you, you know, know I mean? I'm the man, like, of course. And it's like an undeniable hit, I hit song, like, I'm right? I'm the man and bring the noise. But those are, those, are, those are like novelty almost to yeah, me. Yeah. It's not what they actually yes. did. Um, um, I worked at a record store uh, and one day uh, Scott Ian came came in the store right as I was coming in. It, it was the uh, it was November 22nd. So it was the anniversary of uh, JFK's assassination, mm -hmm. probably 89. Okay. And and I walk in the store and I see him and he's eating a slice of pizza. <laughs> and, and and I go, "Hey Scott." And he just still has the pizza and he just goes, "So." <laughs> and, and he just kept walking out the door. <laughs> so <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> so that um we have a fair amount of pizza-related comedy also. there's, there's We're not going to say who. Like, you got snaked at a pizzeria 20 yeah. years ago by another band, by a member of yeah, another well, band. Was it? It was one of those bands. There are two bands that I always confuse. Uh, one is called... Fuck, what are they called? I know who they I know who you... I mean, should we bleep it out? I mean... No, I think that I think they'll appreciate that. It was Velocity so Girl, long. right? Oh, I thought it was. Um, no, I think you're right. I I thought it was either. Um, God, what the fuck are these bands called? Um, Tsunami. No, no. Um, Essex Green, and who was the other band that was like Essex Green? Oh, the ones from New Jersey. What were they called? Not uh, not spent. Ladybug transistor. Ladybug transistor. I yeah. thought it was a ladybug transistor person, but it it might have been velocity. It was girl. velocity girl. It was Archie the show from was at the velocity East, girl. I think. I think it was it was literally Archie from Velocity Girl. It was in Boston. Okay. Yeah. He he like was in front of you at a pizzeria and got the slice uh -uh. you wanted, and I remember just like 
and this is this is, this has zero to do actually with Archie from or anyone. No. It was just funny that you were just like you told me it's like, yeah, like hey, how you doing? How's the tour? And you're just like, well, yeah, the smallest of small conversations, just like, yeah, you know, so and so was getting pizza after the show, and he was in front of me and the thing, and he got that slice I wanted so bad, and he snaked me on that last slice, and we just like turned. Nothing into something in terms of joking between the <laughs> two of us. Yeah, to I'm where... sure it became a call. I'm sure it was the. I think it became for, a, for a call. I, I think it became a call because it was based on so much stuff we do is based on if if you tell me something or I tell you something and then the other one says, "What if you did this in reaction to that?" Yeah, like it's like, yeah. what if you overreacted so much to that slice? And then, like, got revenge on someone for snaking you on a site and thinking it's equal. Like, well, that was fair. You, you, you deserved that. I, t- I took all the tubes out of out of Archie's amp. Yeah. Before the show. And then it's like, <laughs> then it's like, um, well, why, why would you do that? Well, he took my pizza slice. <laughs> well, that's not. He didn't, first of all, he didn't take your slice. He was just ahead of you. He was in line ahead of you. Yeah, but I was the headliner. <laughs> it's so like. Yeah, but he was the opener. Yeah, he's supposed to defer, and that's <laughs> that's how a call gets built, I guess. Yeah. yeah. As far as that list goes, I would agree with like James Hetfield. Ultimately, has a rock voice. Yes. Like yeah. he he's got a he's got like a solid rock music voice not just a metal voice which is i think what makes that them kind of uh transcend the genre right which is you know and uh yeah and whoever's singing from slayer that's uh tom araya yes who's who's retired now right yes he had some severe neck uh Mm -hmm. issues from uh from headbanging Mm mm-hmm well, he served, and he can rest easy knowing that the catalog stands and isn't going right. anywhere. Um, I'm right. I end up hearing these Slayer records because we do this Rick Rubin career oh, review yeah. thing. So I've I've listened to more Slayer this year than I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, and I get Not- it though. I I do get it. Not my thing, although I think he I think Dave Lombardo, one of the greatest drummers of all time. I'll I just I I like to psych up for like a Bob Mold show watching him play. Like wow. there's some videos that, that's just him from behind. Mm-hmm. And and then we did Riot Fest a, a few years ago, and Dave was playing with suicidal tendencies, and okay. I got to like watch him from just like feet away. It was really cool. Wow. It was really cool. Like Could... he's just like he's one of those guys where it's just like it's so floaty. It's like, it's not just, it's like, yeah. he's just like, and no effort doesn't warm up. Apparently just gets up there and just is amazing. That's so. wild. Now that's so cool. And that's also Kudos. one of the exciting things about we do these things and we kind of get to see things that yeah. we both really try to appreciate that we get into weird spots and can see things. I got to to see um, Sarah Silverman play here in in Raleigh a few days ago, or in uh, Durham, and she has family here. And I I went backstage just to say hello, and it was me. It was me, 
Uh-huh. And what was like 25 of her extended family members. Mm-hmm. And I bring this up just because it's something I would never have gotten to experience yeah, 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 had, yeah. had we not had whatever entree we get. But that was really fun because she, she was just like, and you are so-and-so's son. And I haven't seen you since you were five. Like she was just wow. able to Peace call and... these names. And I would never have gotten to see that. No, that's amazing. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah it's no, exciting. it's, it's, uh. <laughs> Yeah, we're both pretty lucky in that regard. Um, yeah. I've never met a Beatle. Have you? No, no, no. I don't. I've know. only met one Rolling Stone. Which one? Mick Taylor. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that's like, that's my in that slot. He's. I know a lot of people. Nicole Lawrence, for example, that's her. Rolling Stones is the Mick Taylor stuff. Like oh, that yeah. is like yeah. She's like, cool. like that's that's her prime stuff. So that's 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 huge. Yeah, I've never met anyone in the Who. Um, you should have gone to Woodstock '99. You could have met John Entwistle, who played it. That is still one of the strangest things. Imagining him rolling into this Air Force base, just being like. <sighs> Just yeah, let's do it. What should we start? Should we start with uh, the quiet one, or heaven and hell? <laughs> and we'll end with Boris the Spider, of course, my wife. And we'll play something called "Smash Smash Your Head." What was the album? Yeah, "Smash Your Head Against the Wall." Is that what it's called? Yeah, In, "Into the Wall." Yes, one of his great solo albums. Oh my um, god! Too late. The hero was another. Too late. The hero and whistle <laughs> solo album. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So never met. I've never met a Beatle. Never met anybody from Rolling Stones. I never met Bruce. I, I remember. Oh, you might have seen him. Remember when um I was playing with Whiskey Town, mm-hmm. and we played at the is it called the Garden State Art Center? Is that what it's called? Yes. And I saw you. And, o- you were opening for F- John Fogerty. For John Fogerty, and I came off stage. And who do I see right there? Bruce and and Max. They had come to see mm-hmm. uh, John. No, n- no uh, interaction. But I remember you and I sitting in a booth backstage afterwards, just kind of working on stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was kind of just like I went to the show, saw it. Then we're both like, let's let's pop out and kick yeah. some ideas around. Yeah. No, that was and that was one funny thing you told me. That that. Somebody said something. The curse. Oh, wait, what was that? Is the curse? Oh, well. <laughs> I was going to do the Bill Clinton thing. Oh, okay. I, I didn't say this during our last discussion but okay. when this the opportunity came up, but I'll say it now. Okay. Um, so so I, when I played with this band, Marah from Philly, these these two brothers we spoke about during, during the last uh, Q&A we did. Anyway, so they had been taken under – Bruce had taken them under his wing a little bit. So this is like 2002 and three. And um, so our first show of the, of our, of a big tour is like the whole country was at the, um, is it called the saint in Asbury park? Yeah. The saint. Mm -hmm. And so this guy comes and he's, he's Bruce adjacent and his, I don't know what his real name is, but his, his nickname in Jersey is Baja Galoop. I don't know what it means, but uh, 
he was like a maybe went to high school with Bruce or played in those bands around the same time as Steel Mill and and uh, Earth and etc. And uh, so he goes, so like he's just so like no filter. Hey, you guys know about the curse, right? And and the guys Morago, no, what are you talking about? Oh, anyone Bruce likes and really champions, they never get anywhere. Oh my God! <laughs> but it's kind of true. Yeah. Iron City House Rockers. Didn't I'm not going to name any more, but but there there's uh there's at least five of them. There's a few, just people who he's truly championed as saying like this person is amazing, and I'm yes. I'm hopping on stage whenever they come to town. Right. And look, the idea of making it or breaking through is such a lot. It's such a. It's like hitting the lottery, even when you're in the door right. as a working musician and working artist. Yeah. They did like going to that next level is it's kind of out of your control. Yes. We'll so. say that they none of them made it to that next level. Yeah, and it's just not it's not even a judgment on anybody's talent or anything. Those are the factors that you just have to yeah. Just you ride ride the ride, I guess, and yeah. You know, um I was going to say the thing about wasn't there a thing where John Fogerty where Bill Clinton talked to John Fogarty that you told me that like John Fogarty met Bill Clinton at a thing backstage and Fogarty was like, Hey, uh, sorry about all this. Like this, like Monica Lewinsky stuff. You got like, do you remember this? I don't know if I told, I don't know this. I don't, I don't remember. Well, this. Maybe, yeah. And he was just, and Bill Clinton maybe was like, me. Bill Clinton. No, it was definitely you. Cause oh. you were close. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of bullshit or whatever. Like they're coming after me. They're like that's what Bill Clinton said to John Fogerty. Oh well. <laughs> that like yeah, I mean you were not oh you were not there for that, but um Yeah. You were not there for that, but I think you heard it on that tour. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I he only came to say hello to Whiskey Town once and I wasn't in the room. The, oh, right that, that moment sucks. and yeah. I, ne I never met him Isn't that crazy yeah it's weird it's like he'll be back tomorrow it's like no he won't nope he 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 would arrive five minutes before like he, he'd arrive in a an rv while the house lights had just come down like didn't sound check wow. would show up with his family and just walk from the from the winnebago just walk the from the winnebago and they, they, they yep. just like knowing yeah then yeah. he just can kick right into it. Well, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this is amazing. This is so much fun to do. And yes. we, we appreciate all the questions. And people can keep sending questions in over at the Patreon. Uh, and uh, patreon.com slash the best show. So keep sending in questions. And we'll keep doing these. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Best Show is produced in partnership with the Forever Dog Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Tom Sharpling and features John Worcester, Michael Lisk, Jason Gore, and Pat Byrne. The show is produced and written by Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Michael Lisk, Brett Davis, John Worcester, and Tom Sharpling. The Best Show is executive produced by Tom Sharpling, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Co-executive produced by Jason Gore and Pat Byrne, segment producer Michael Lisk. The show is engineered and mastered by Andrew Gleason and Wesley Knapp. 
Graphic design, video editing, and social media by Brett Davis. Website and technical support by Martine Sellis. And the show is recorded at Forever Dog Studios in Los Angeles. Support The Best Show on Patreon over at patreon.com slash thebestshow. And follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Best Show for Life. That's Best Show number four, Life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.